2: Good morning and welcome to our wild world. There's a lot that has been going on in terms of rhino and elephant crises and anti poaching work uh, over the past year, and a lot has happened. And we recently heard uh, from Damian Mander um, with the human toll in wildlife crisis and so we're catching up with damien today he's in south africa just coming back from the bush and he's going to give us an update the good the bad and the ugly and hopefully there's a lot more of the good but we're going to find out today so welcome back damien thanks for being here
3: ali hey how you doing thank you very much for having me uh that's yeah, good to be back on the program. Thank you.
2: It's always a pleasure talking with you because you really do bring it straight from the heart. And I know the work that you do is very difficult. Boots on the ground, uh, anti-poaching training, uh, up rangers in Mozambique, across the, and, and in the Kruger, and that critical border between Mozambique and the Kruger. So um, I understand things are going well there, um, but there's still a lot of tough work. On our last program, we had talked in the, in terms of the human toll, that the risks that are being taken by people, um, we need to understand that they're being taken knowingly that the risks are so high that yeah. you know they could be killed. That there are anti- yeah. well-armed anti-poaching teams out there and they will be shot. And that the reason they're taking these risks is that they have nothing to lose. So yeah. let's start a little bit maybe give us an update of how things are going in the communities because you filled us in last time on a community project that you were working on.
3: Yeah, look, uh, we... In the community side of where we're working now in Mozambique, when we first went in there in uh, 2013, we, we had a look what was going on and we saw um, armed civilians protected by the local population crossing through these local communities through local terrain that they're familiar with into Kruger National Park going up against larger uh regular but less mobile forces such as special operations the military the rangers conducting their raids and ambushes and killing these these rhino and then retreating back through this familiar territory protected by the local communities and that that's the perfect definition of guerrilla warfare and that's what that's what our rangers are up against in mozambique so this this stretch of land that goes from Olifants River about halfway down Kruger National Park all the way down to the bottom uh, a place called Rasana Garcia Uh, it's the most critical piece of land on the planet for rhino conservation it's a piece of land that separates 40% of the world's remaining rhino 40% of the hardest animal to protect on this planet it separates them from most of the rhino poaching syndicates that we have okay so you've got this thin strip of land which is the absolute front line of rhino conservation. It's the most critical piece of land on the planet for the conservation of this species. It's a piece of land that had the least amount of support but stood to benefit the greatest number of rhino. We went in there in 2013. We saw the war that was going on. We worked uh, over the next 12 months, 18 months, putting together strategies and contracts with the government, with the landowners there, to go in and, try and build an overall strategy uh, to get in there and get boots on the ground Uh, we go to work every day these rangers we we know that what we do is not the ultimate answer the ultimate answer lies within these communities and having them have a reason to not have to poach but at the moment unfortunately for these animals for these rhino whether we like it or not Peace comes from the barrel of a gun. And the quickest way to defend to defend something, to stop something from dying, is to stand between that animal and the person that seeks to destroy it. And that's what these rangers are doing. They're going out there every day, they're risking their life. They're patrolling 15-20 miles a day out there in the wilderness. Not only endangered from poachers but also the animals they try to protect the elephant the rhino the leopard the lions that are out there that you know these are these are a huge threat to these rangers and these these rangers that leave their families behind some of them for up to 11 months of the year to come out and protect these animals and for us to be in a position to work with these guys uh at ground zero it's, it's a great privilege for me uh, i'm very honored um to have been able to set up this organization and and be in a position to support those guys that are are going out there trying to save this species. It's uh, the project is coming together very well. Uh, we
2: tell us a little bit about what the project is doing. Um, you filled us in a little bit last time, and some yeah. of the methods that you're putting in. You had um, taken visits elsewhere around the world to see what. Other organizations and rangers and uh, law enforcement groups were doing. So, how have you implemented the community um, uh, actionable item items or uh, issues that the community is coming your way, coming around to your vision?
3: Look, we we we're not an organization that specialises in community work. What we do is we work with other organisations that specialise in that. What we do, we focus, we very, we very narrowly focus in what we do. And we choose just to do one thing. We do the frontline work of conservation. We are the guys at the coalface. Uh, we are the rangers that have to go out there and do the paramilitary role of protecting these animals. We work within the laws and the mandate of the country where we operate. But we also understand the importance of the work in communities. At the moment, we are working with and actually managing a group of community scouts uh, that are working in these local communities. Uh, So in conjunction with the local stakeholders there, uh, in particular Sabi Game Park, uh, we have a group of 15 scouts who are the eyes and ears in the community. They're funded by the Southern African Wildlife College. Uh, Our managers are on the ground are working with these guys every day. They're they're out there looking for anything from stock theft uh, to suspect people moving through the communities. Um, Just listening for information that's happening out there and they're able to help us uh, go out there and and, and respond or assist the communities in in, in any way, whether it's a medical situation. We had a guy there a few months ago that had been beaten up quite badly by some, some people in the community. We managed to rush into hospital in Maputo, uh, and that guy's life was saved. Uh, so we've there are ta- food programs e- that are going on uh, in the in the communities, and you know it's 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 you know, our, our role is is very specific. We're there working with the local stakeholders uh, on the front line. So it's it's uh, it's we, we we just stick to what we're good at.
2: So over the years, you know. It's just, I've been working across Africa for close to 30 years now, and 30 years ago, you know, a lot was in the in the language of community-based conversa- conservation, but it was still all being implemented by foreign NGOs, foreign money, and uh, foreign agendas. So what we're doing now how conservation has shifted in terms of the work that international anti-poaching foundation your organization is doing which you founded is really taking that to the letter and bringing in the communities because without the communities and benefits and alternatives to taking these risks conservation isn't going to work conservation is about people so um when you're having to to deal with people that have very little, deep poverty, and the governments are not necessarily changing that aspect of their lives. The community work that your sister organizations and your partnerships and your collaborations that are doing, um, the communities accept it so they are getting an incentive Which is another way of saying wildlife paying for itself. Wildlife will never pay for itself because it has no money. It doesn't need it. But there is money for conservation, and it needs to be spent in uplifting these communities. So what are some of the, um, I know this is not directly what you do, but you see the effects of it. Because as we were talking, the poaching is going down of rhino. Um, so, what are some of the, um, who are some of your partner, can you tell us who some of your partner, sister, collaborator uh, organizations are so we can give them the recognition they need also?
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, in, in regards to work uh, outside of, of the Greater Labombo Conservancy, so in the, in the local communities, you've got the Peace Parks Foundation, which is supporting local communities, WWF, uh, and also the Southern African Wildlife College. Uh, so, listen, we, 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 uh, we put up a very big reward for information leading to uh, anything suspect in relation to poachers moving through the area, the arrest and seizure of a heavy caliber rifle. Uh, we put up a 20,000 rand reward for that, so it's, uh, it's about 1,500 US dollars, uh, so it's a big amount of money and, and we have been paying this out over and over again, more than, more than twice a month in some occasions. Uh,
2: and this money comes so th- from your donors, correct?
3: From our donors, uh, exactly right. And so what it does is it gives the community an opportunity to participate in, uh, in stopping poaching, but also to benefit from that. And look, we, we, we go to work every day. We, we, we know it's not the ultimate answer. There's people smarter than us trying to figure out how to get these communities functioning to a point where they don't need to poach. And this is the long-term solution. We're not just talking about Mozambique. We're not just talking about the Greater La Bamba Conservancy. Yeah, this is a this is an Africa-wide issue, and there's going to be two billion people on this continent by 2040, and so it's hard to try and figure out how a a growing human population is somehow going to be able to feed itself on a diminishing uh, natural resource base. Uh, so, amongst all that, our job is to buy time for these animals. It's to buy time, so we have something left to work with when the, the real solutions are, are arrived at. Big offenses and, and more weapons is definitely not anybody's cup of tea, it's not my cup of tea, it's just what we do. Uh, and unfortunately that's the, form, that's the only formula that is going to hold on to what we have left while we all figure this thing out on a, on a much bigger scale.
2: So for our listeners out there, if you're wondering what action you can take to make a difference and save wildlife and it's not even as simplistic as saving wildlife. It's conserving our planet and helping people to find alternatives and other resources than taking all these risks, putting so many human lives at risk. So you can donate to iapf.org. And uh, check out Damien Mander on Facebook and Twitter. And they've, they've got incredible videos. Go to his webpage, Go to their Facebook page. There's constant updates that are going on. And this is a way you can help. So take a moment and donate. Rather than, mm. you know, spew vitriol about how sad and how tragic this is, take that minute and donate a dollar. So, Damien, tell us what it is you need so our listeners can help.
3: Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Well, first of all, I've got to thank you for for your contribution, Ali, uh, and the the Grant from Wildlife Foundation. We're we're able to put in a digital radio network, uh, which has been so effective in terms of allowing our troops to communicate with one another and also back to the operation centre that we've built across the border to Kruger National Park. Communications is the number one thing in an operational environment and you've made that happen. Uh, It's been so effective now that we are actually going to scale that system up uh, and basically plug in more areas uh, into that uh, that radio network. So that's one of the things that we, uh, we're we raising bucks for at the moment. we also got a, a much larger area now, uh, so we, we are also raising bucks for a, a Savannah uh, light aircraft, which is going to be used for, for our daily patrols. We The daily patrols are so critical because we, we had two project goals. One was to stop poachers from entering into uh, into the, the area and subsequently into Kruger National Park. The second goal was to create and maintain a, a, a healthy population of rhino again in rhinoceros, uh, of, of rhinoceros in Mozambique. You've got to remember, in 2013, rhinoceros were declared extinct in Mozambique. So I could tell you that last year we had a count of 26 rhino back in the country, and we're in the process now, and this is, I haven't, we we haven't spoken about this in the media yet anywhere. We're in the process now of having Mozambique reclassified, officially reclassified as a range state for rhino. So rhino officially exists back in that country now. And this is as a, a result uh, of the work the stakeholders have been doing on the ground, what we've been able to support, and with the general uh, generous contributions of, of people like yourself, uh, the, the systems that that make it all happen. So thank you very much for that. Um No, just.
2: Well, as I'd said before, you know, money is really kind of the easy part. There is money out there, and there are a lot of people who do want to help. Uh, The hard part is doing what you do. So, by talking to you, and what I'm hoping our listeners understand, is that you are critical in this a network of puzzle pieces at a critical point and a critical piece of land and it's for a species that is critically endangered. So, you know, I appreciate you thanking me and you're welcome, but it's really the least I or anyone can do is to donate some funds or turn people on, have a fundraiser, have a network of friends and show that you care and turn that care into action so um it's really the easy part so we're at a point right now where it might be uh best to take a break because what we want to get into is some of the results that you're you've been having on the ground so uh listeners stick with us with my guest damian mander of the international anti-poaching foundation look him up on his website iapf.org find him on facebook twitter Uh, communicate find out what's going on and know how you can help stick with us we'll be right back
1: W-I-L-D-I-Z-E. Families today face unique challenges. Marriage, parenting, and family forms have changed a lot in the last century. together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world.
2: Welcome back. This is Ellie Weiss, Our Wild World, and my guest Damien Mander and the International Anti-Poaching Foundation. So if you're just joining us, I would like you to uh, go back and listen to the first part of this episode because uh, Damien has told us what has been going on and how critical communities are people are to the work that Damien and his teams do. It's not just Damien alone. It takes all of us to help. So Damien, um, you've got some interesting and some good news for us. Why don't you tell us some of the successes that have been going on?
3: Yeah, so it's it's been, uh, having gone gone on the ground there full time in June last year uh, at a time where we were experienced experiencing uh, multiple armed incursions on a daily basis. We've gone in there, we've recruited men from the local communities, we've trained them up, we've given them a career, we've given them purpose. Uh, Put a uniform on their back and deployed them out onto the front lines. Uh, We've put five four-by-four vehicles in there. Uh, We've been supporting uh, an aircraft that has been doing uh, uh, two patrols every day. We have two canine units that have gone into the area. Uh, one one canine unit is specifically trained for tracking humans. So if we get an incursion through the fence, uh, this dog team and our rangers will follow that track. If it's heading from east to west, it's heading towards Kruger National Park. And what we are doing is tracking that, that target towards the park and giving coordinates as we go and handing the situation across the border to them so they can try and interdict on the South African side of the border and vice versa uh, when poachers are coming back the other way. Uh, we have another, another dog. Her name is Debbie. Uh, believe it or not, Debbie the, the horn star. She is um, she's specifically trained for sniffing out rhino horn and we use Debbie uh, in the local communities uh, and also doing roadblocks we work with the the environmental police over there in Mozambique it's an initiative of the Mozambique government These police are deployed all along the greater Labombo Conservancy uh, with the support of them uh, Debbie is able to go and do vehicle searches and she is looking for a rhino horn that had been taken by poachers that have been picked up uh, by these pickup vehicles that work for these syndicates uh, and so it just adds an extra layer of of, of protection or Deterrence for, for poachers that are thinking about coming into the area. I
2: Absolutely. suppose the biggest. We, we did a program yeah. with Pete Kapalilo of Working Dogs okay. for Conservation yeah. and Sam yeah. Wasser, who also has Working Dogs. Yeah. Dogs yeah. have made a huge difference on the ground in terms of anti-poaching because when the communities see what these dogs can do it as you just said it has a whole adds a whole other layer and it puts a whole different picture in the community mind that someone else can sniff them out and uh, it it makes a big big difference and these dogs are amazing where do you get your dogs from?
3: Uh, They come from uh, a, a school in Pretoria in uh, south africa actually we bring them across that's when we get all the paperwork uh, and import permits uh they come across and they're stationed full-time now uh on the job and we're going to be increasing the amount of canine units we have uh we've got some very good handlers that are working over there uh there's been two incidents in the last two weeks where we have followed tracks exiting our area which means they've exited kruger national park and the stronghold of the world's rhino population they've exited there they've come through our area and then they've speared off into the communities and we've followed poachers two times right to their front door because of these dogs uh so they're, they're a great asset and uh a really good deterrence against these poachers but I mean, from my personal uh, perspective, it's great to see animals helping animals.
2: Absolutely. So, once again, listeners, if you want to help, this is a way you can help animals helping animals. Dogs are amazing. Please, please donate. Go to the IAPF.org website. There is a donate button and uh, communicate and please give this support because without people like Damien and IAPF and all the other organizations and nonprofits that are doing this risky work boots on the ground uh, on the thin green line which is getting a bit thicker thankfully over the last couple of years paradigms are shifting but we here in the Western world particularly the United States are rather isolated from the realities of of what people like Damien and what people in the communities that Damien work with face every day. We have it made, even in the worst case scenario that we can face on a bad day, they have it, a multitude exponentially worse. So your help and your support, financial support, makes a huge difference. So um, Damien, what are some of the other uh, successes that your your team is is showing up?
3: Uh, so, we, 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 one of the first things we did over there was build a big operations centre. So, it's, it's quite a large uh, area that we've taken over, put this house in. And it's got all the, the tracking systems, all the computer systems, all the mapping systems in there. It's where your communications base is. Uh, we've been driving the operation uh, from this, this area. Uh, we've made numerous arrests. There's been 29 arrests now. Not all directly from our staff, but we have had a hand in 29 arrests and the seizure of multiple weapons and that, the seizure of those multiple weapons, these heavy caliber rifles, it's one rifle out of the system uh, and every one of those rifles that's been taken out of the system, we've paid a 20,000 rand reward uh, for that rifle and it's 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 having a huge impact. We When we went in there, uh, there was up to two Rhino uh, being killed every month and in the last... Uh, 10 weeks. We've only lost one rhino in, in, in Mozambique in that area. So it's it's slowed down dramatically. But what has also happened is a rhino population has re-established itself in a country where they are previously declared extinct. So that for us is a, is, a, is a huge success. It's a huge step forward for the stakeholders that are over there on the ground who have been trying to get the job done uh, for all these years without getting enough support. There's over 400 Rhino, not for profit organisations operating in South Africa inside the Greater Labombo Conservancy, so inside these reserves, the reserves that separate most of the world's rhino, most of the world's rhino poachers. There is no other NGO supporting these guys with boots on the ground uh, equipment and training uh, and, and management other than us. And w- we need more support, we need more people to come in there. Uh the community side is building up as well with the other NGOs I mentioned before. But inside the Greater Labombo Conservancy there's nobody else helping this area. And it, it's 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 hard for me to understand why that is.
2: I find that <laughs> shocking. I find that absolutely shocking. Yeah. Why? It I, is I don't it because know. of it's the just... risks or is it because agendas are seem to be more important else? I don't I find that shocking.
3: I don't know, but it's uh, our focus now is to take our success uh, in, in this area in the Greater Limpopo Conservancy and, and to stamp that uh, around as much of southern Kruger, uh, southern Kruger National Park as we can, as much as our donor money will take us. As far as our donor money will take us, we'll, we'll replicate that around the park and basically provide uh, a layer of security, an area that these poachers do not want to come through to get into the. the of the world's rhino. Almost 10,000 rhino in there.
2: In in the Kruger?
3: In the southern part of Kruger National Park,
2: yeah. Okay, because South Africa is home to 75% of the world's rhino. But Correct. most of them, a lot of these rhino outside the protected areas or the IPZs, intensive protected areas, zones that you're working in, they're yeah. under private ownership, private management. And we do need to also state at this point that it is still legal to hunt rhino for a Trophy yeah. and the horn and organizations like Dallas Safari Club, who just had their big meeting in uh, Las Vegas, and Damien has spoken to these groups, um, it it they're still being auctioned off. And um, I just got the stats the other day from, you know, how many live animals were being auctioned off here in the U.S. by sport trophy hunters. This is not sustainable hunting. This is not hunting for food. This is not hunting um, in an ethical way. This is Almost like canned hunting, where a lot of these rhinos are killed on private land, private breeders, and cashing the horn, which still gives it value. So until, like elephant tusks, we remove the value of rhino horn, then rhino and elephants are still at risk. So, um, Damien, help us understand a little bit more why the protected zone is so critical, even though there's so many rhino elsewhere in
3: South Africa. Well there, there are rhino elsewhere, but this this section of Kruger National Park, this bottom section, it has more rhino than every other private reserve put together in South Africa.
2: That's okay, impressive.
3: That is a that is a significant amount. Okay, there's there's 70% of Kruger's rhino sits in the bottom third. That's 70% of 40% of the the rhino left on this planet. This animal that is on the world stage, this animal that represents so much is an animal that's hardly evolved for millions of years, and we're pushing it to extinction because of greed, this this driving demand from the Far East. And so it's not just the rhino we're trying to save here, but what that animal represents. And if if we as a generation allow this animal to go extinct, then that is a massive failure, and it is something that is going to sit on our shoulders forever. Uh, we cannot al- allow that to happen. We need to protect this animal. It's the hardest animal on the planet to protect. It's the animal that poachers are willing to go the greatest lengths to kill because of the value of its horn.
2: Why when it, we win this it, war, Why is it so hard to protect?
3: because it's 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 selling for up to forty thousand dollars a pound this horn and and one animal can have twenty pounds of horn on it, okay. So poachers are willing to go to any length to get their hands on this, okay? And sometimes they'll kill one, two, even three rhino in a night. And so you can imagine the payday for these guys when they do that. So the stakes are high. When we win this war, we are going to demonstrate to ourselves as a species, as a generation, that we have what it takes to look after these animals. And not just these animals, but everything else in the ecosystem. We aim as an organization to protect the hardest animals in an ecosystem to look after. When that is done, everything else is being looked after. When you weigh this against big global issues such as human population, deforestation, global warming, the most immediate thing we can do right now today is to protect what we have left. And the best way to do do that is to defend animals like rhino. And that's what we do.
2: Well, and people have to understand that rhino are... They are not necessarily a keystone species, but they are an umbrella species. And I've said this before, wildlife drives uh, our ecosystems. They are the architects of the land. Everything that lives under them and above them, which is called trophic cascades, is in. Is critical to the health of an ecosystem and we've been talking about the one health concept that what you do to one thing when one thing is going wrong that means everything else in that ecosystem will suffer for it as well including the people so you know as we build up safety and security for animals we are building up safety and security for people and that's exactly what uh, Damien and IAPF is doing. So um, tell us some other um, positive news. We've got a few minutes here left in this section, and then we'll get into what needs to happen and, and the outlook for the future. But what else has been going on?
3: Yeah, look, I mean, you, you know me well enough by now, Ali. I'm I, a person that uh, that gets down quite a lot with you with the amount of animals being killed over here uh, and the. Uh, <sighs> Just the the, the tirade of poaching that we're dealing with on a daily basis, it's it's sometimes hard to find positive stories. But for the first time since 2007, rhino deaths have declined in South Africa. That's after five years of experience in, on average, 35% of carcasses each year. Finally, we we have reached a, a plateau and... You're going to get people that are going to tell you that there's been more rhino killed in other countries. Uh, maybe all the, some of the carcasses are being missed and not being counted. But I can tell you, when you you work within a, a, a seven year, eight year now losing war every day, you're willing to take any good one-liners that you can. And I can tell you now, we have plotted it out. It's a positive story. Uh, there's been a decline in rhino killed in South Africa last year, and I believe we're at the turning point in this war. I that, really do. And, that's and great.
2: And I on am very t-
3: positive about where this is going.
2: And on that note, we are would, starting to win this. I would like our yeah. listeners to look up Damien Mander and his two TED talks. He's a very compelling man when you get to actually watch him uh, do what he does even though it's on a stage and not boots on the ground in the field. Um, he's talked to me a couple of times from the field in Mozambique and you can just feel the intensity of the pressure around. But please tune into to Damien's two TED Talks. One was at Sydney and um, one was at Jackson Hole this uh, last September 2015. Both of them are excellent And you'll get an idea of just how positive and how wearing this, on the soul, this kind of work becomes. And Damien has dedicated his entire life and lifestyle uh, from doing what he used to do, which was... um, working in I think it was Afghanistan and war and he's turned all of that to um, his experience and his talents to protecting this one animal and everything that depends upon this one animal people wildlife ecosystems you name it so please watch his TED talks and that was the last time Damien and I got together was it Jackson and he did the TED talk and uh, he did another wonderful presentation and um Uh, The first time I met Damien was at Jackson in 2013, and I remember you asking the panel with World Bank um, how much would it cost, or I think you knew the number of how much it would cost, and why can't they give that money to make this stop? And as I recall, you didn't get an answer. Have you gotten an answer, any better answer or any answer at all since then from people in those positions of power and money?
3: I had a very good lesson that day, Ali, and, and uh, I, I spoke, it was the, the UN secretariat on forestry and I said to her, and she was up there with one of the head guys from the World Bank and I said, listen, you know, there's a study that's been done that puts the annual global value of conservation work at $75 billion. I said, at that time, the US annual defense budget was $670 billion. I said, "We, we, we don't need this money in 10 years or five years, we need it now. Uh, not me personally, but us as, as an industry. Uh, we are fighting for the heart and lungs of the planet and our very future depends on it. And she stood up and she said, you... And when she spoke to me, she spoke to the whole room. She said, you need to stop whining. She said, the money's out there. You just haven't figured out how to get it. And, yeah, immediately I thought, you know, what... You know, what a, what a cow. And... Uh, and six months later, the penny dropped, and I realised this woman's right. The money's out there; we just haven't figured out how to get it. Um, we're an industry made up of people that believe in a cause. We don't have, generally, don't have banking or, or the greatest of business backgrounds. We're not Wall Street guys. Uh, we're just guys that believe in what we do, and unfortunately, that isn't the type of background you need to raise the type of bucks we we, we require to make this a success. So, but we are. Uh, Human beings are are, are a a species that reacts well to crisis and we're heading closer and closer towards that on on a global scale and I'm sure one day soon the money will be there to protect this planet that we all live on.
2: Well I can tell you the money is there. Um, It just needs the will and the heart of people to get behind it and realize, especially in the West where we have the money, donate and it does require and always will require foreign aid to African national parks. Ian Cowie, whose father Mervyn Cowie, founded Nairobi National Park, knew that back in the 1950s. We've all known it. So if you want to help, donate donate to uh the animal that's your passion whether it's a lion whether it's a rhino whether it's an elephant these species are critical to our architectural system of the planet so stick with us we've got to take a little break and we'll be right back with my guest damian mander
1: wildlife no wild W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. You're listening to L.A. Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world.
2: Welcome back. This is Ellie Weiss, Our Wild World, and my very special guest, Damian Mander of the International Anti-Poaching Foundation. Damian, um, last time we spoke, but I think we might need a little reminder of just how um, widespread your organization is. It's not just one spot in one place on the ground. You have, you're an NGO, but you're uh, split out in, in into like three sections. Uh, Australia, the U.S., and then, I believe, um, in South Africa. So tell us a little bit again, although I'm asking our listeners to go back and listen and listen to Damien's two previous episodes on this program, but give us a little reminder again of how IAPF works and why it's so critical and why funding is so necessary because of the scope of the work you do.
3: Well, it's probably, probably – uh fair to go back to how it all started and that was um and, that, and then work forward from there but you know i i arrived in africa uh, in 2009 i just uh, f- i finished in iraq i did uh, a dozen tours in iraq between five thousand six i'm sorry five thousand and uh, two thousand what am i talking about 2005 6, 7, and eight and uh Ended up um, just travelling through Southern Africa, having a look what was going on, uh, working with the rangers, seeing the, the difficulties they face on a day-to-day basis, and you know I had something to contribute, um, and that was you know wanting to support these guys. I uh, started doing it out of my own pocket, and just realised that that wasn't going to be sustainable for for the long term. Set up as a trust in Zimbabwe, went back to Australia, registered there. Uh, the next step was South Africa, then the USA, uh, now the UK and Mozambique. So we're actually uh, a group of six, um, six not-for-profits all functioning under the same mission, which is wildlife conservation through direct action. The same objectives, uh, we're all, all working together uh, to try and deal with this thing. Our major operational bases have been in South Africa, uh, Mozambique uh, and, and Zimbabwe, of course. Uh, Zimbabwe is where we started. Beautiful country. Uh, very blessed to to have a footprint up there and, and be able to assist the animals and the people of that country. Uh, Victoria Falls, one of the seven natural wonders of the world. Uh, we're less than 10 kilometers from there. That's where our home base uh, is, our headquarters. And um,
2: Zimbabwe is facing a lot of trouble right now.
3: Yeah, it's... Uh, you know what I unfortunately the, the world news always sells their papers by telling bad stories about Zimbabwe but I can tell you from living there it's one of the it's one of the most beautiful countries and it's actually in terms of Africa one of the safest countries you'll go to and uh unfortunately it it just gets uh um
2: it gets no, it a just, bad rep
3: gets a bad rap and it, it gets doesn't deserve it a very bad it,
2: rap and you, know, you there's know there's a particular person uh, that is responsible for that bad rep, but you're absolutely right. There are amazing people in Zimbabwe. and Zimbabwe, used to be one of the highlights of conservation success, the breadbasket of Africa. Um, its people are are downtrodden now. They're not being represented, and um, it has a different view of let's call it consumptive utilization of their wildlife. And we had talked previously um, a couple of years ago about the uh, wild-caught baby elephants that are being exported to China. And uh, and then once again, rhino horn is also being exported to Asia, usually Vietnam, uh, for medicinals. But uh, it's this rising middle class in elsewhere around the world that is really over-extracting, exploiting, and over-consuming Africa's resources. And it, it, it's, it, it's special ones such as the rhino, the elephant, and the lion. So Zimbabwe yeah. is a fabulous place, but it is facing some governmental difficulties and it needs a plan. And hopefully that will happen soon. And having IAPF as, as a base there, it's great to know because um, there is a place there for... Things to take off from, a system in place to start up when Zimbabwe decides to get its act together in terms of its wildlife management again. So let's move back to Mozambique and South Africa and um, what you're doing there. So uh, without giving away state secrets or anything like that, <laughs> tell us a little bit more, because we certainly don't want to direct anybody to um, uh, where these rhino are and that they have reestablished. so that's important information and um, but they are reestablishing. So tell us a little bit more of what you need and what you hope to accomplish in the future or at least this year.
3: Yeah so as we expand our operation uh, both north and south uh, from our current footprint, uh, it's just a matter of replicating what we've already got there uh, another aircraft. Will be uh paramount in terms of maintaining that uh, that eye in the sky Uh, more vehicles we use toyota land cruisers uh, on the ground over there uh, for getting our teams around fuel for the land cruisers we need more boots on the ground we started another training course there today uh just adjacent to the very southern part of kruger national park so these these young men recruited uh, from the local communities who are now going to be given an opportunity to defend these animals uh, through the training and the the, the the equipment that we give them, uh, young managers as well, uh, guys that are moving up through the ranks, or, or people that have been specifically recruited uh, to come and lead these operations in the field. Uh, these are, yeah, these are these are guys that leave their family for for the majority of the year. They live out in this. Uh, it's a tough environment, hey? and it's a war zone. Uh, so what you're saying there. is
2: the skill sets are there. The people do have the skill sets. They're just not being utilized. So when you come in or another NGO, hopefully some more will come into this area um, and, and, and utilize the people. Uh, Africa, the, one of the largest resources that is most underutilized is the human resource. So what you're doing in training up locals is it's not only incentivizing and, you know, bringing up economic status, but it is an empowerment and one of the most critical things, sense of self-esteem and that you matter.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And look, these guys suffer uh, the same way a soldier would suffer from post-traumatic stress. Uh, They don't. You don't just go home from, from this job on the weekend and, and forget about everything and drop the baggage. It stays with you. And these guys, you know, they suffer because of the work they do and the commitment they make. Uh, we had one incident there uh, back in November and we had a, a, a rhino um, female that had been killed or been shot and a, a one-year-old calf that had been killed and um, was laying next to her. And uh, she, she yeah, the one-year-old calf had, had an inch of rhino horn cut off its face, killed for an inch. And uh, the mother was there, still hadn't, still hadn't died, uh, but it had her face cut off. And uh, one of our rangers, you know, our rangers that leave their family behind for the year and give up everything in their life to come and protect these animals, these animals become their family. And uh, one of their, our rangers are dead. Come and euthanize, uh one of you know this 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 poor rhino that's lying there suffering next to its its dead child and uh, yeah, that that guy that guy suffers from that eh? Hey? it's and, very uh, difficult
2: you know I know a lot of people on Facebook they see rhino that have suffered their horns being slashed off their face and left to survive. So this is one thing we didn't really talk about yet, that uh, we've talked about the weapons and being outgunned and outmanned by the cartels and the uh, sort of disposable local people take willing to take these risks for this kind of money. But yeah. what we didn't talk about is these rhino, which you just mentioned, that are left alive and what a lot of the poachers are doing now is they're coming in quietly they're using arrows and they're using poison darts and one of the biggest things is to slice off the the face of the rhino to have the skin with the horn to show sort of proof of provenance that it really came from a rhino horn that it really came from a rhino because of the um, the trade in fake rhino horn that also rose during um, this this period of intensity intensity and global market uh, black market uh, illegal wildlife crime. So when you see one of these rhinos suffering, um, if you if you can stomach it at all, but I I would suggest somebody want our listeners to watch it because it is incredible pain. It is incredible suffering, and yeah. as Damien just said, you cannot walk away from that feeling untouched and unchanged and um, without feeling that humanity has taken a very, very wrong turn. So what Mm. Damien and IAPF is doing is trying to turn this around. And you had said um, the work you do is, uh, you know, just stopping the hemorrhaging until we turn around. It is going to take people all of us, everybody, everywhere, to turn this around so that the work that Damien and his teams and the local people do realize that it, it it's a self-esteem, it is a positive thing, and that they mm. are doing something that will save us and the world.
3: Yeah.
2: So, what's your yeah. wish list? What do you need?
3: Well, well you've already got a few items. Or okay. Six, uh, give us, uh, our, give our us some, busy, give us but, some um, dollar amounts. We really want to grow on the um, the radio network that you helped establish. Uh, the next phase of that is going to cost around $15, US dollars um, So if we could raise, raise the bucks for that, it, it is just so critical in terms of the operation and being able to speak back to the headquarters that we've built there, um, being able to give directions out to our guys in the field and follow where they are uh and especially if there's a there's an incident we get a lot of incidents out there inside the reserves and outside in the communities that we need to respond to quickly having this digital radio network just gives us that extra edge uh of being able to communicate when we need to uh and communicate very critical messages so if we can if we can uh if there are any donors that can that can help us get this this money together uh to help scale this system up which has been so valuable so far then really are going to help with a a critical piece of the jigsaw puzzle. The aircraft um, that we need to to get is around sixty thousand US dollars A two-seater Savannah uh, aircraft. Um, We've already got the hangar there. Uh, We have got another aircraft that has been operating. This one will be able to travel longer distances, uh, can carry a greater greater load uh, and can land in, in rougher conditions. So we can put it down on some of the bush strips that we've got throughout that area. Uh, A ranger, $3,600, pays and feeds a ranger uh, for one year on the front line in the bush, a guy that's going to patrol up to 20 miles a day. Uh, $3,600 does this. It changes a person's life. It takes them out of uh, the the communities where they can potentially become a poacher. It puts a uniform on their back. It puts skills uh, into them, and it deploys them out there into the front lines of these wars. And we need to continuously keep recruiting these guys and putting them back out there.
2: I'd like to make an analogy. $3,600 is maybe your average restaurant bill for the year or maybe what you spend on lattes when you go to your Starbucks or your local corner coffee shop, you know, think of this amount is very, very little in comparison to the amount of success and what it can do on the ground with an organization like IAPF. Plus, you have six, no, seven ways to donate. The six arms of IAPF through its various countries, and here in the U.S., you can donate directly to IAPF in their U.S. office, or you can donate to Wild Eyes and know that your money will go directly to uh, Damien's work and support his crews and the efforts on the ground. We had provided a grant for the radio, this digital radio network. We would love to be able to provide f- the funding for the rest of that. So, give us some help. Give Damien some help. You've got so many Brilliant. ways to help. Um, just take an action you know a couple of clicks on the computer five minutes of your day and maybe a few less coffees or one less meal out a year a couple less meals out a year and you can make a huge difference so damien we've got two minutes left what what's your what's your final message for us today
3: yeah uh, look just and just a sincere uh sense of gratitude for those those uh people out there that do support us uh Knowing the the difficulties that we do face over here, but the the victories that we are having now, uh, it's all because of the supporters around the world who understand that these are not Africa's animals. Uh, We're trying to save these are are a global asset. It's a global resource, and it's a global responsibility to hold on to it for future generations. We cannot let these animals go extinct. I don't want to turn around to my son. He's two and a half now. I don't want to turn around to him when he's 10 years old and have to explain to him, why we didn't get this right. We can get it right. We are getting it right. We need to replicate it on a bigger scale. And we can only do that with uh, the support of the people around the world. So please, uh, as Ali has said, do continue to support us. Uh, we are having a very positive uh, and very significant impact there. And we can only increase that with your help. So thank and, you very much.
2: Well, you're welcome. And you mentioned a good point. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, globalized iconic species, umbrella species, keystone species, but we also have species that we could call world heritage species. So we don't have to live with rhino here. We go and see them in the zoo, but that is not what a rhino is. Rhino in the wild is critical and keeping wild rhino, not breeding farms, not industrialized farming to sell rhino horn to foreign hunters, but wild rhino doing what they do is critical to our world. So please, please help. And uh, Damien, thank you once again for your time.
3: Ellie, thank you so much. You're a sweetheart. Uh, It's great to talk to you again, and I look forward to uh, sitting down with you uh, over lunch next time I see you.
2: Absolutely. So thank you, Damien, and we're out of time, so this is our wild world. You can be a part of it. You can help. Please do. And this is Ellie Weiss with my guest, Damien Mander, and go out and touch the wild and do something today. Thank you very much.
3: Thanks so much